0: Welcome back to another episode of the Baropolis podcast. Of course, as always, I'm joined with Nathan. And I think it's fair to say that this week is going to be a good one. We're both very excited after what has been a superb week for Middlesbrough. Three wins from three. And I mean, Nathan, how good does it feel to be half decent again?
1: It feels fantastic. What a contrast from just a few weeks ago when... We were a bit shaky with our opinions on on the borough and Neil Warnock and three wins on the spin. It just changes everything, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it changes the complete outlook of of the manager, the manager's future and and things like that. Of course, we'll we'll delve much deeper into that in the podcast. But yeah, overall, um, a good week for the borough. But how about yourself, Naven? you had a good week? I'm sure the Middlesbrough results have definitely helped you along the week.
1: Yeah, a decent week. Yeah, a decent week watching football of, of all different uh divisions. I was at Sheffield Wednesday against Lincoln City on, on Saturday afternoon. I didn't didn't travel to Cardiff for twelve thirty kickoff, but um props to everyone that did. They made all that noise and yeah, it was it was a good weekend of football.
0: Yeah, good stuff. So I mean I'm sure you want to talk about Cardiff as much as me straight away and talk about all the excitement of yesterday. But of course, since we last recorded, we obviously did have that midweek game against Barnsley. Um, prior to that, obviously, would would be in Peterborough and we spoke about in the last podcast how important it was going to be to follow up that Peterborough victory with another victory. And of course, you know, there was a few nervy moments, but we did. But let's just talk about the game first. And as I always do, Nathan, when that team come out, how are you feeling? Of course, there was two changes from the win against Peterborough. Uh, it was Hernandez and my mind's completely left me Uche. there.
1: And Hernandez
0: and Uche, yeah, you saved me, Nathan. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that, yeah. Hernandez and Uche, and of course, it was Jones and Lee Peltier that come back in. And slotted into that back three. Were you happy to see those changes before the Barnsley game?
1: Uh, I think it was it was expected that Peltier had come back in. Um, of course, he served his one match suspension um, for five bookings against Peterborough, um, so I think it was it was clear that he'd come back in. Really, um, he's tried and trusted under Neil Warnock and with. Um, our lack of defensive options, he was always going to slot back in there. And then I think Jones coming in for Hernandez was probably a fair change. Hernandez just coming back to full fitness. Um, And of course, Jones does provide us with some good width on that left-hand side. So, yeah, I think the changes were fair enough and just looking to continue on from the Peterborough game on the Saturday.
0: Yeah, as you say, obviously, the, the two changes were sort of expected almost. And, you know, although would been struggling defensively and obviously beat Peterborough. I think everyone sort of expected Peltier to come back in just to have that extra defender more than anything and sort of solidify that defence. Um, you know, we've had Tavernier and Hernandez playing wing-backs the week before. I think Neil Warnock probably just wanted to have that little bit extra sort of know-how um, besides Sol Bamber and, of course, um, McNair and Housing and, and, of course, it, it paid off. But I think just going into the game, obviously, uh, especially early on, it, it felt to me almost similar to a few other games this season, you know, QPR springs to mind and, you know, even Blackpool to a certain extent where... Um, they sort of they they tried to play the right way. Um, they strung passes together in the first half. I'm I'm speaking probably about the first ten sort of 15 minutes, and they sort of did have a a small uh, spell of pressure in the first 10 minutes. I think they went close a few times, and you know, early on it, it was one of them where you sort of sit back and you sit and think, could we sort of be on for the same sort of you know trajectory of of this season so far where we've beat Peterborough and then we're going to sort of throw all the good work that we've done away in the previous game away. But obviously we, we weathered that storm and then sort of jumping straight to the opener after 20 minutes, Andras Sparrow, Um, You know, he's been very good since his long move in and managed to grab his second goal. A good header um, and an even better knee slide. I think we've got to start there really, Nathan.
1: Yeah. We do love a knee slide, but yeah, um, fantastic delivery from McNair. Um, Sparrow found himself unmarked in the area and it almost looked like he aimed for the towel in the back of the goal uh, as his target to nod that header in and yeah, it set us on our way and I think from then on the tide of the game sort of changed and we were well in the ascendancy and did have a lot of very good chances towards the end of that first half that we didn't really take.
0: Yeah, there was, of course, that one where it sort of went over the top and I think Watmore and Sparrow both sort of didn't know who was going to go for it. It was bouncing and you thought, come on, just one of them take it around the goalkeeper or, you know, just lob it over the goalkeeper's head. But the sort of both didn't really know who was going to go for it. And in the end, the the keeper just grabbed it. Um, That was one of the big chances, of course. Um, And then again, uh, your favourite man, we, we like to make a little bit of a joke about, Um, Marcus Tavernier. There was that that chance where it sort of um, was crossed in. Uh, it, it fell uh, to the... And then, you know, knocked it towards the edge of the box and it fell to Tavernier and you just thought it was going to be a similar strike to Paddy McNair earlier on in the season. Um, You know, just a fired shot into the bottom corner. It was set up perfectly for Tavernier. And I think he just got it completely wrong and sliced it. Uh, I just want to talk about Marcus Tavernier just quickly, actually. Um, sort of over the course of the past couple of games, of course, his, his impact on the team in terms of his work rate and how much he can carry the ball forward is just, you know, such an addition to this Middlesbrough team and something that we do definitely miss when he's not on the team. But, you know, you've... Come under a little bit of criticism, I think it would be fair to say, early on in the season for your opinion. But, you know, the last two games have again proven Tavernier has had an incredible impact, but then his end product has sort of lacked a bit. Do you think, you know, he'll be disappointed with that chance? And obviously, I think he had a few against Cardiff, which we'll obviously get on to. But that chance against Barnsley especially was a great chance for him on his left foot. And again, he didn't really sort of take it.
1: Yeah, I think he just needs that bit of composure really just to nail the strike and get it on target instead of just lashing at it and it, it did skew way, way wide. Um, but yeah, we do, we do have a very good player on our hands there with Tavernier. His work rate, of course, is just fantastic. He is up and down all the time. Um, he does, doesn't mind a challenge either. Um, playing in that right wing-back role, of course, we do need someone to fulfil some sort of defensive duties and he, he does get his foot stuck in and win the ball and he doesn't mind winning the ball and then driving on with it as well and looking to create. Um, but, yeah, it's just that end product, really. Um, once once that's sorted, hopefully, hopefully he does sort it out, really. Um, and we we have one of better players in the division, honestly. Um yeah, it's it's just frustrating when you see a chance like that. You think you've got, you've just got to get it on target, test the keeper, um, and you, you never know what can happen if you get it on target and test someone. Um, but yeah, it was a it was just dragged wide, and yeah, he he just needs to get that right. I think.
0: Yeah, I think like you say, it's just that. <coughs> That, that seems to be missing. I think a lot of spectators this season and especially Middlesbrough fans have obviously seen the impact he has on the team. As we say, you know, he drives forward and without him in the team, we look much less of a threat. I think it's fair to say, but of course that end product will come eventually. Well, hopefully, I, I should probably say, you know, nothing's ever a given, but that's what we're hoping for. And of course, you know, we... We hope he does score just so we can be proved wrong, similarly to how we've been proved wrong with Neil Warnock a little bit this week. But yeah, we'll get into that later on as well. So from one mischance to another mischance, and we're sort of skipping from the first half to the second half here, I think Duncan Watmore is the next topic. And, And you know exactly what I'm going to ask you. How has Duncan Watmore managed to not double the advantage at home Open goal on a plate from Martin Piero. You're just waiting to jump up and cheer. And yeah, I'm not actually still sure now how he hasn't just stuck it in the back of the net, to be honest.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, of course, I I didn't attend the game on Wednesday. Um, Obviously, being down here in Lincoln, I'd struggle to get back. So I uh I watched it on Sky Sports and seeing Piero go pretty much through on goal with what more side by side I thought surely we've got to double the lead here um and yeah I think he's just got it all wrong I think he's almost slipped and kicked kicked it off his uh off his standing leg but yeah it <laughs> it's one of them uh misses that you can laugh at now knowing the uh the full time result but. Yeah, it's it's another big chance that goes begging, really, for us.
0: Yeah, it's another big chance, as you're saying. It was getting to that sort of nervy, sort of typical Borough time again after Watmore had missed that. You thought, you know, we could have sealed the three points and everyone was getting a little bit tetchy. And in fairness, I don't even think Barnsley really created anything that sort of really put us under pressure. You know, they had spells of possession, but no chances really come from it. But in the end, we did, of course, find that goal that we'd been looking for for so long. And, of course, it was uh, Martin Piero's delivery, um, which then sort of ricocheted around a little bit. It, you know, bounced up to Matt Crooks, and he, of course, got that final touch. Well, I'm saying final touch, but, of course, Sol <laughs> was trying to get his name on the score sheet. I think it's fair to say it was probably Matt Crooks' goal, but, you know, Sol you can have it if you like, because you have been that good, yeah. I mean, we needed that, and it, it come at just the perfect time really, Nathan.
1: Yeah, it, it really settled the nerves going into those last few minutes of the game. Um, yeah, the, the big tree was not going to let anyone else win that ball. I think his his size and uh, stature just helped him above everyone in the box at that point, and yeah, he's bulleted it down into the, into the ground, and into the corner and, yeah, that secured the three points for us and I think it was nothing nothing more than we deserved, really.
0: Yeah, like you say, nothing more than we deserved, of course. It was nice to see another knee slide. I think it's <laughs> such a funny theme at the moment from our players, but, yeah, of course, there was another knee slide and there was some, um, you know, incredible celebrations where I think Marcus Tavernier got caught giving it one of those to the away fans, which, of course, is always nice to see, that little bit of sort of, uh, you know, shithousery, let's call it what (laughs) it. It was nice to see. And, um, yeah, it's always a laugh after the game when you you see the reactions of the away fans and how unhappy they are. So, yeah, it was was a, a solid result. And, of course, it was so important that we followed up that Peterborough win with another win. I think that was the most important thing. Again, the performance in terms of the style wasn't so important it was just, you know, so essential that we managed to just get over the line and get that first consecutive two wins on the bounce uh, that we haven't seen this season of yet. Um, Just staying on Barnsley before we move on to yesterday's game against Cardiff, I think there's two men who we could say the exact same about for the Cardiff game. But the Barnsley game especially, two players really shone for me, one of which Matt Crooks, He sort of adopted this deeper role, you know, earlier on in the season we'd seen him play as almost a 10 off the strikers, uh, arriving late in the box and, you know, getting them occasional chances of just picking up knockdowns and, and things like that. And through the injury crisis, it sort of forced Neil Warnock's hand into playing Matt Crooks in a deeper role. And to be honest, I think we've potentially accidentally discovered his best position because Matt Crooks against Barnsley, I thought was absolutely terrific.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic in there. Um, playing a little bit deeper than what we have seen him in um, in the in the earlier stages of the season. But he's so good at winning the ball and just knocking a neat, uh, neat little pass into one of our creative players, whether it be Tavernier or Pierre or or spraying it out wide to to the left-hand side. But, yeah, he's been an absolute revelation in there next to Piero, and long may that continue, really, because it's been uh, fantastic to see them as a pairing in there.
0: Yeah, and, of course, you know, we've seen this week in the press that Matt Crooks has even been staying behind, I I think, prior to the the Peterborough game, actually, where he'd stayed behind um, for an extra, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour with Onil Hernandez and Piero, and just sort of went through the role that Piero would have to play in midfield, obviously with the help in terms of an interpreter in the form of Onel Hernandez. But it's just so nice to see not only a fantastic footballer in the performances putting in, you know, Matt Crooks is a player that puts his body on the line. He never stops running. I think i seen Warnock say that, you know, he, he covered, you know, nearly 13 kilometres in games this season, which is just, if if you know sort of the, the average stats, you know, it's more 11 or 12 sort of uh, kilometres, which players run sometimes, you know, 10 if they're really lazy. But yeah, to, to run 13 kilometres in a game and still make the impact that he's been making in terms of defensively and getting into the box and even making impacts, you know, in the advanced positions is just, it's sensational, really. It's, for me, I think... Of course, the excitement is with the likes of Sparrow and with the likes of Piero. But for me, signing of the summer so far, I just love everything that he brings to the team.
1: Yeah, he's a real class actor. And I think the versatility to be able to play well and get a six or seven out of 10 in various positions every single week is, is exactly what we need. But in, in that deeper role um he did fulfill it against peterborough as well and of course has done that all all of this week in the three fixtures that we've had and i think he's probably been a solid eight and a half nine out of ten every single time he's played this week he's been absolutely brilliant and yeah as we say long may it continue
0: yeah long may it continue and of of course going back to another summer signing i think it would be fair to say no one anticipated what an impact he'd have he come in on a free, you know, it was sort of, you know, heard from various sources, really. I think the Gazette even put something out that Warnock was, you know, this this sort of trial period or even just joining us for training was sort of more of a favour than anything. And, of course, I'm talking about Sol Bamba. He's battled back from cancer and the impact he's had in the the past three games and especially in that Barnsley game again, it's just, it's colossal, really. I think that's the best way to describe him. He's just a colossus of a man and a colossus of a defender. He just seems to get his boots or his head on everything. And, you know, I've even been surprised where he can even play on the deck. You know, he's he sprays passes and you think, you know, that that's Sol Bamba that's picking these passes out. But... Yeah, he's just a defender that loves defending and it's it's great to see, again, someone that is just so eager to get to the ball and just get rid of danger.
1: Yeah, he's. I, I can't believe that he's uh, playing as well as he is, really. It's been an absolute pleasure to watch him playing in the heart of that borough defence, really. As you say, um, no-nonsense defending mixed with the ability to pick a good pass out And get us up the field. Um, Of course, he's got aerial presence in that in the defensive line and as an attacking outlet going forward on corners and set pieces. Um, And one one thing in particular, the other day, I was I was bigging him up to a a mate who I was watching the game with on Wednesday night, and I said, "Oh, honest to God, he's one of the best defenders in the division." And uh, Bamba was going up against someone one on one minutes after I'd said it, and I thought, God. Imagine if imagine if he gets pot and here and I look like a proper muppet. But he was one on one against uh, Barnsley's attacker. I can't remember which one it was, and I thought he's going to get burned for Percy. And he's just lo- he's just made a fantastic lunge and won the ball as uh, almost as the last man. I just thought that's just ridiculous. What a what a footballer. Um, I don't know how long. He'll be able to continue playing ninety minutes for. Of course, he is almost in the twilight of his career now. He is thirty six, I think, um, and he, you can you can see that that turn of pace may may be a a bit of a bit of a negative, really. But one on one, I think, um, with a, a slower attacker, he's got he's got everyone, in, um especially. In physical battles, he's absolutely outstanding. And, yeah, I, ca- I can't believe how good he's been. It's it's amazing. What a player and what yeah. a man.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned sort of his, his 1v1 skills because I think, you know, I, I remember going to that Coventry game and I know you were there as well. And there was a few times in that first half where Waghorn, in particular, ran at Barmba. And every time he had the beating of Bamba, And I thought you know, watching that game. Is it sort of the end for Sol But You know, he, of course, it was nice for us to sign him and, you know, for Warnock to put his faith in him after the story that them two have had together. But I, I thought, you know, is this sort of a, a signing where it, it may backfire a little bit? And actually, you know, we've signed him almost as a goodwill gesture rather than on his ability. But, you know, I never foresaw for him completely doing a 360 in terms of his form and in terms of just, you know, he, he almost looks like he's sort of just dropped 10 years off his life and he, he's back to a sort of, you know, prime age 25, sort of 26-year-old Sol Bamba that is just, you know, in the in the peak of his career, really. It's just, it's, it's miraculous that the recovery he's made and, as you say, that one-on-one, especially against Barnsley, I, I think it was Woodrow from memory. I might be completely wrong. But just that last-ditch lunge, and he's so good at that. Just that little jockey and then making the tackle at the right time. It's sort of his speciality, really. And Yeah, I mean, what a turnaround in terms of his performances alone, not just the team.
1: Yeah, for me, I, watching him one-on-one again against strikers, I think he never really gets caught out when he tries to commit um, he, he usually gets it right from when he needs to step up step in front of that attacker and win the ball on their first touch or just let them have the ball but play the, make sure that they play with their back to goal um, I think he, he usually gets that right and very rarely makes, makes them mistakes really so yeah Again, I feel like we're just saying long may it continue, but we've been so good in these recent weeks, um, in these recent games, sorry, that it is almost like you just don't want it to end and you just want the games to keep coming thick and fast, really. And, yeah, um, after Wednesday night, of course, we moved on to to Cardiff at the weekend, which we'll get into.
0: Yeah, as you say... um... After the second win on the bounce, we moved into the Cardiff game. Um, you know, twelve thirty kickoff. I think firstly, before we talk about any performances from the players, we've got to talk about the performance from the fans, because you know, getting up at probably you know half one, two in the morning to travel to a different country, I think, so <laughs> and and make that journey and just the dedication. I'm sure is just remarkable so you know an applause and I can't even give enough credit to the supporters that made that trip because you know I didn't do it Nathan I know you didn't and it's it's almost not unthinkable but just yeah fantastic support as always from from that sort of section of the Middlesbrough way fans that that just don't really miss a game to be honest um so just going into the game of course uh two changes again it was um, Hernandez back in the team and Ike as well. Uh, coming out was Duncan Watmore and Isaiah Jones. Were you sort of surprised after the, the Barnes you went to see changes, or did you think that those changes sort of suited the opponent that we were going to come up against in obviously Cardiff?
1: Yeah, I think you've got it bang on there. Uh, it suited the opponents down to the ground, really. Um, I think Hernandez in for Jones is almost. Like for like really um both can get, get at their fullbacks, um and both relatively similar in their abilities defensively. Um, and then I think U- big Uche coming in for, for what more just provides that physical presence up against big defenders like Flint and McGuinness. So yeah, I thought the uh, the changes going into the game I thought were bang on really from Warnock and would have gave us the best chance of really winning that game, especially with Uche and his physicality up against those centre-halves.
0: Yeah, I think the changes for me made sense, of course. Um, you're always going to come up against and especially a Mick McCarthy team, but that Cardiff team have sort of become renowned for having the sort of huge centre-backs in Aiden Flint and Sean Morrison. Obviously, Morrison didn't play yesterday, but of course, still Flint, we know just as well as anyone. How big of a threat he is in the air, and you know, his size and stature. So, I think the IPA's you change definitely made sense, obviously, to try and give those defenders a little bit more to think about. So, I think going into this game um, early on, it was sort of a complete turnaround from the start of the Barnsley game because immediately, really, we sort of took control and took the game to Cardiff. And, you know, we, we had a few half chances. I seem to remember Ike you having one on the edge of the box where he could have squared it at Piero. And I think Piero had his hands up in the air going berserk that he hadn't passed it. But, you know, there was that sign of intent and there was chances early on. And it almost felt like in that first sort of 30 minutes that a goal was just... It, it was going to come at any moment, really. And, of course, that moment come um, through... The handball incident. Now, firstly, Nathan, what did you think of the handball? Because I know it, it got debated quite heavily on Sky, and a few different fans had different opinions. So, what was your thoughts on the handball?
1: Uh, it was a strange one. I was, um, I didn't have the best view of it. I, I was, of course, going to that Sheffield Wednesday Lincoln game, so I, I was watching the game in a in a weather spoons. But yeah, I, th- I thought from my view that it, it was really a penalty. Um I think the ball is going to McGuinness and he's got his hands by his side, but I think he makes a movement to to uh to knock the ball with his hand. So for me, I thought it was a penalty. I don't know about yourself. You'll have listened to the commentary and what have you. So what was your opinion on it, Chris?
0: Yeah, I think um Firstly, I think the, the volley from Sparrow on his weak foot especially deserves a mention because, you know, on the weak foot, to be honest, it looked goal-bound to me. I think it was a great strike. Um, but like you say, it was it was McGuinness that sort of the penalty was given against. And for me, I think, you know, this, there was definitely both sides to the call because you could very well debate that, you know, it was sort of the most natural silhouette that McGuinness could have. You know, his arms were fairly tucked in and it wasn't as though you know he really flung his arm towards it to block it I don't think it was that case but then again with the new handball rules and sort of you know I don't think anyone really knows what the handball rule is anymore to be honest because one minute it's sort of a, a natural reaction or you know you have to have your hands behind your back or by your side it seems to change every five minutes but from the way I looked at it and I don't want to put a little bit of bias on it because, you know, we're here, to give sort of both sides. But for me, I did think it was a penalty again, as you say. I think although his hands were probably as tucked in as possibly they could have been, the ball is still stopped by his sort of arm movement. It quite clearly hits his arm. And for me, you just can't really complain with that. and yeah, there's certainly, you know, arguments for and against, but I think it probably was, you know, it, and as I say, it could have gone either way, but for me personally, I just thought, you know, he stopped the ball from going in probably, or at least, you know, troubling the goalkeeper and his arms out at the end of the day. You can't, and you, for me, you can't really argue against that. It's a handball. But anyway... A slight surprise from the actual taker of the penalty. I was fully expecting Paddy McNair to step up, obviously, after he'd scored against Peterborough a week earlier. But it was actually Andras Sporar that stepped up. And, you know, I, I didn't know whether I feel confident or not, to be honest, you know. Sporar <laughs> after scoring the other night, um, certainly doesn't lack confidence from everything we've heard. But we haven't seen him take a penalty yet. But he made no mistake and, and put it straight down the middle. And interestingly... I Remember Alex Smithies on numerous occasions saving penalties. I think he actually saved the lead bit of penalty away at QPR and he seems to have a very good record. So I was a little bit concerned, but of course, like I say, Spiral straight down the center and, and made no mistakes, and that was one nil. Were you sort of feeling a little bit wary when you're seeing that McNair wasn't going to step up for the penalty?
1: I, I think, no matter what, for me, I'm always wary with borough players taking penalties. Um, we haven't had. The greatest record, really, with penalties since Letbitter departed the club. Um, we haven't had that regular penalty taker that will take every single penalty. Um, it usually varies whether it had been a Samba longer a few years ago, McNair. Um, so well, I, can't, I can't really remember. I think against, it was against QPR. I think uh, Uche took one, so of course... Yeah, exactly. One, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't really remember if... Spara was on the pitch against Peterborough to be able to take the penalty if he was um, if he was on the pitch, I, I think he, he may have taken it if he was the penalty taker. Um, of course McNair did miss one in preseason as well um, while Sparra wasn't at the club but yeah, uh, a penalty that he just passed passed down the middle of the goal really and I thought we've got we've got to really kick on from now, get that second goal. Um, and put the game to bed by halftime. And I think it's fair to say that the chances were there to uh to put the game to bed before halftime, really.
0: Yeah, there was a, a real boatload of chances, to be honest. And I think, you know, namely out of all the chances that we did have, Matt Crooks was the biggest of them all, you know, Piero. And, of course, we're going to talk a lot about Martin Piero. But, you know what, just before we really go overboard, um a great little touch by him to get the ball out of his feet in sort of a, a, a deep uh, midfield position. He threaded uh, Matt Crooks through, and, you know, I, I said to you even before we started recording this, apart from Sparrar, this season especially, I don't think there's anyone else on the team that you would really want the ball to, you know, be at, bearing down on goal, and I thought, you know, he's not going to, surely he's not going to miss, but... He sort of seemed to get caught in two minds. Didn't really know whether a square or a spiral go himself, and in the end, he sort of done neither, and it, it just went out for a goal kick. But what a golden opportunity for Matt Crooks that was!
1: Yeah, it's again this is similar to the what more chance in midweek, a massive chance that goes begging. Um, But when you when you look back on the game, you see the scoreline, and that's all that matters really. But I'm sure Neil Warnock will be will be looking at all these chances that we have seemed to have started to create in the last the last week. We have mentioned it, that we did need to start creating a lot more chances because we aren't the most clinical side in the division, unfortunately, so the more chances we get, the more uh, the higher percentage will probably be for, that will score. Um, I think that he'll be looking at that thinking we do we do need to be more clinical in front of goal. Um, despite recent results, these chances simply can't keep going, begging, really. Um, but yeah, in a half time 1 up, and I think we were all probably thinking this is going to be typical borough. We haven't put these chances away, and in, in, uh, Cardiff or us Mer- oh, pay, and they nearly did.
0: Yeah, they nearly did, as you're saying. It would have been so typical, Borough. The, the amount of the pressure that we applied, and to be honest, I, I don't think I can remember for a long time. You might have a better memory than me, where we have quite literally, you know, battered someone for one half, and had so many chances and so many, you know, openings to grab a few goals, and obviously we didn't do that. But yeah, it just felt. So typical borough that after battering Cardiff for the first half, failing to capitalise on sort of the crowd starting to turn on McCarthy. And you know, it got to the break after the break, sort of Cardiff come flying out the traps really um to try and sort of make that change. Keith Emmo come on, obviously to cause our defenders a little bit more of a problem and they had that spell, didn't they? It seemed like every cross was, you know, a laser to the head of a Cardiff man. They were seemed to be winning everything in the box. They went incredibly close a few times. And then there was that Aiden Flint header where you just well, my heart sank. I'm sure yours did as well. It was it was one of them horrible moments where you just think, oh no. And, and especially Aiden <laughs> as well. It, it come back off the bar, how, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, Nathan, how are how you feeling when that sort of passage of Cardiff pressure was going on?
1: It's just horrible, but it's just typical Borough that we didn't put those chances away in the first half. Um, but yeah, that, that flint off the bar was our get-out-of-jail-free card, really. It was probably Cardiff's best chance of the game in that in that spell that they had towards the start of the second half. And um, I think we were always quite dangerous on the break. Um, we did we did throw a few men forwards in um, in spells when we did clear clear our lines. But yeah, it felt it felt like an equaliser could have been coming. Really, from when from when Flint hit the bar.
0: Yeah, there was that spell of pressure, of course, and then it sort of become a little bit more. Uh, open the game in terms of it wasn't just Cardiff pressure um, in the second half. We started then growing into it again. And, you know, there was a few moments. um Pies, was obviously, you know, getting into some battle with the Cardiff centre-backs, really, Uh, a few times where he turned his man, and we'll get on him as well, because I thought at times yesterday he was absolutely terrific and and done exactly what we needed him to do, especially against uh, two physical centre-halves that he was up against. But, of course, the moment that we've been waiting to discuss, the moment that the whole Middlesbrough fan base has been waiting a lifetime for, it seems... I'm not talking about just the second goal. I'm talking about Martin Piero's first goal in Middlesbrough Colours. It came in the 74th minute and as well as sort of Piero's score, and I think as soon as that went in, everyone sort of could breathe a sigh of relief and think, you know, it's it's job done now. I I, I don't see Cardiff coming back from this. But yeah, what a moment. Nathan, I'm just going to let you describe how you saw it, because I think we're all going to have our own little stories of how we reacted and how ecstatic we are when it hit the back of
1: the net yeah of course the goal comes from Uche down that right hand side yeah puts a ball into the box and it sort of bundled about a little bit but um, Sparrar gets it down and just lays it on a plate for Pierre who takes a touch and fires it in the corner and from then on it was just Every, it was like breath, breathing a sigh of relief, really. Everyone was so happy for Piero, but I think the the game was killed at that point. Um, but, yeah, Piero runs wheels away to the Borough fans in that corner of the ground. Every, all the team were following him. Crooks uh, was the first one there. So, yeah, that midfield partnership looks to be... A real, real fantastic duo for us in there. And, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant scenes for us. And, yeah, credit to Piero. He's been brilliant in this last week. I'm so happy for him as well.
0: Yeah, I think we've just got to talk a little bit about Piero because, you know, he'd had a few moments uh, in the Peterborough game. Of course, he got the assist for Corbyn. in the Barnsley game, uh, again, he had a few moments, had a shot from the edge of the box, which troubled the keeper and then sort of ran straight after the re- uh, the rebound and then took it past a Barnsley defender. And he's had these little glimpses and you've just sort of been waiting for that one contribution where you sort of think, yeah, he's arrived. And it sort of felt like that against Cardiff, you know, as you say, good work from Uche down the wing, crosses it in, a little bit of fumbling about. Sparrow lays it off, I think a little bit of credit's got to go to him. Because it's just that nice little layoff into the path of Piero. His right foot takes it onto his left and then he fires. And and do you know what? I think a lot of people will probably overlook how difficult of a finish that is, especially on his weak foot. He made it look so easy. And yeah, I mean, the celebration we obviously put out on the Twitter numerous angles of the goal. And it I, I think to be honest, I must have watched that goal yesterday. <laughs> And today combined. And bearing in mind, we're recording this on Sunday night. I think from the moment that hit the net, I'd say no less than probably 300 times.
1: <laughs> I don't that's,
0: not, that's not an over exaggeration, Nathan. I just, it, it's the combination of the finish. I mean, it's a great goal, but not only that, his face when he scores, how much passion is in that celebration. The, you know, the moment of the, the travelling away fans, they deserve that more than anyone. And it's just, for me, it, it seems probably like I'm going over the top, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to anyway. It, that goal is honestly probably one of my favourite goals ever from, from my time watching Middlesbrough, because Piero, he's just, he struggled so much, you know, getting into the team, of course, there was the comments from Warnock that, you know, I'm going to do this my own way and the foreign lads are going to have to, you know, bide the time and th- they won't really get a chance. And after this injury crisis, Piero seems to have just grasped the chance with both hands. And and that goal was really just everything that had bubbled up, you know, in the previous two games. And yeah, it was, it was just fantastic, wasn't it? The bromance from Matt Crooks and him is just something that, quite frankly, I'm, probably too invested in
1: (laughs) yeah all it was all his celebration was missing was a big massive knee slide into that corner
0: (laughs) yeah I mean we've seen enough of those lately I I think the fact that he was a little bit different and sort of there was a bit of a jump there was a bit of a sort (laughs) of run arms out combination of everything and then just that embrace between him and Matt Crooks I mean not only an embrace that was just lovely to see but just sort of epitomised the sort of relationship that that we've been sort of just introduced to over the past three games. Of course, I, I spoke about crook staying behind and helping Piero out with the positional sense of of where he was going to be playing. But yeah, that that bromance is just I love it to be honest, Nathan. I've I'm, I've got so much interest in it
1: yeah and that 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 goal as as well as that celebration just uh, yeah put a cap on an absolutely dominant performance really apart from that 10 minute spell at the at the start of the the second half i think that we absolutely battered cardiff really um i understand that they are one of the worst sides in the division at this current stage um of course that was now there eighth defeat in a row, but you still need to go there and, and put a performance in and get a result. And yeah, that's our first win in Wales in seven years, which is crazy to think, considering we play there every year against Cardiff and Swansea and even Newport a few years ago under Tony Pulis. Oh God, so, don't bring me
0: down by mentioning
1: that. <laughs> so, so yeah, absolutely brilliant to get that win. Um, and of course, a third 2-0 win in a row. Clean sheets are plenty, considering the defensive um defensive issues that we've had in the in the last week, really, with players out injured. But yeah, absolutely outstanding. Nine points out of nine, three wins in a row. Piero gets his goal. Everything's looking up.
0: <laughs> yeah, as you say, everything's looking up. And and what a turnaround, really, because I think now is sort of the moment where, you know, maybe a few people might be listening or watching and thinking, well, this is interesting because, you know, uh, Chris said a few weeks back after the whole game, you know, I think it's time for the manager to change. And, you know, I'm just going to front it up. I, I don't know if anyone's seen the tweet yesterday. Nathan, i seen that you liked it. But I think it's important for us to firstly sort of, take our slice of humble pie a little bit and say, you know what? Yeah, I was probably a little bit too hasty, but then it's also important to look at it that, you know, this sort of performance and formation uh, that was stumbled on has sort of been out of Warnock's hands, really. I think the fact that he's had to sort of introduce Piero, the fact that he's had to bring Matt Crooks back and of course you know it's, it's his decision at the end of the day so he's got to have some plaudits for that but you know it it's not like he still had the same pool of players to choose from he could have been playing this team before the last three results and he hadn't chose to do that um you know it's it's fallen into place quite nicely of course so, you know, I don't want to go too far one way and say, well, yes, you know, Warnock in, he's the saviour again. And I can't believe I said that because at the time, I think from my opinion and from others as well, it wasn't just the bad performances. It was the comments, you know, about Piero and about Saliki and even Uche, I remember. So, you know, there's, there's two sides to it, but of course... Like the big man that I am, I will also say, do you know what he's gotta have a bit of credit for these three wins I, I can't hide behind it and say that he doesn't Nathan. I know you sort of stayed away from making as sort of much of a judgment as me, but do you sort of feel the same?
1: Yeah, I think he does deserve the he did deserve the criticism at the at the time really um coming out in the press after the whole game and saying that. He didn't know if he could do much more with this, the current squad of players that he had. I think that's a red flag, really, um, to, to anyone, whether that be the fan base, whether it to be Steve Gibson saying, what, "What more can I do?" sort of thing. But in re- in recent weeks, he he seems to have got it got it right with the smaller selection of players that he does have to play, have to pick from. Um, I think dropping Crooks in deep has been almost like a genius move, really, alongside Piero. Um, the wing-back situation has been a situation where we didn't know it, how well it would go, but it seems to have worked very well. Um, and I think the form of some players, in particularly Sol Bamba, really, has kept us defensively solid. Um, and it, it seems like it is almost just Bamber well, it is only Bamber as our fit centre half at the minute. And he's he's carried that weight so well. Um but yeah, he does deserve credit. Um in recent weeks, of course, changing the forward lineup on Saturday to have Uche in there up against physical centre physical centre halves rather than Watmore and Watmore's pace, which Watmore was so effective on on Wednesday night against Barnsley, getting him behind and causing trouble. So he did get that right as well. So, yeah, I think it is a bit of humble pie for us both, um, hands up. And I think one of, the, one of my main points in, well, prior to that whole game was we didn't create enough chances. And since then, we've created an absolute plethora of chances in every single game that we've played. And all we need now is to, to be a bit more clinical and, um, Start putting three or four past teams and getting games, getting games done early rather than leaving it late and sort of just being one nil up all the way through and being just making it nervy for the for the sake of it. Really, it's typical borough, yeah. but yeah, we need to start putting chances away, getting the game done and out of sight, and then yeah, we'll see where that takes us.
0: Yeah, you you spoke about. <laughs> obviously the the certain changes to the to the system and obviously certain changes to players positions that Neil warnock has almost been forced into and, and one of those changes you know I've mentioned Piero and crooks and obviously the wing backs but another one I just want to highlight for me Johnny house and moving back has only been a positive for us I think you know we saw it under Woodgate and it, you know in fairness one of the the Few positives that we could take from Jonathan Woodgate's reign as Middlesbrough boss, he sort of uncovered, you know, Johnny Howson's ability to play in a back three and even as a wing back. And you know, for me, um, I actually prefer Johnny Howson further back, especially with the obviously the partnership that's formed between Crooks and Piero and and sort of their ability to. Receive the ball in more difficult positions. I, I don't think that that's one of Housen's strengths, and because of obviously Crooks and Piero being able to do that, I think that's part of the reason why we are able to sort of create more chances now, as you say. So, yeah, I think Housen's performances have become better for me since he's actually moved back. I like the fact, you know. He's got those sort of qualities that he brings in midfield. He's, you know, into the tackle first. His passing range is pretty strong, you know. He can pick a pass out. And, you know, he's actually deceivingly, probably quite quick. There was a few times yesterday where he sort of made an overlapping run and, you know, whipped a whipped a ball in, which, you know, you never really think you'd see from Johnny House and as a defender, but it sort of did pan out that way. And, yeah, that for me... Moving forward would be something that I'd actually just keep, and I don't really want to see it go back to housing being in midfield. To be honest, I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think it really looks better on moving housing back in the defense with the form of, of Crooks and Piero in midfield. I think if that, if that partnership in there doesn't gel as well as it seems to have done, I think maybe dropping housing in the defense doesn't look as much of a master stroke as it as it has looked. Um, but, yeah, he, he seems very... Well, of course, being a midfielder for a massive part of his career, Johnny Housen is very composed on the ball, I think. So um, he can step out of defence with the ball well, similar to McNair, really. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. Overlapping runs from Johnny Housen has been... A, a, God, God above! That's outrageous. A continuing a continuational theme in uh, the the Barnsley game, and of course Cardiff yesterday, um, getting balls into the box for for Uchi and Sparasso. Yeah, I think also. Yeah, he's very good defensively, um, strong in the tackle, as you say. And yeah, I would I would agree with you saying he's. Deceptively quick, really. Um, I suppose you have to be if you if you do play midfield, which of course he he has done. Um, for a, quite a a long part of this season as well. Um, but yeah, I think that that back three at the minute is almost untouchable, really. Of Bamba, McNair, and and House, and they seem to be very defensively solid. Um, three clean sheets in the last. In the last three games, t- tells us that, but I think we will have a bit more of a test um, in in coming weeks with Birmingham, Luton, and, and West Brom. Their attacks are a bit more potent than the ones that we've played in the in the in the last week. So we'll see where we're at come the next international break with the defensive side of things.
0: Yeah, um, I think just when you couldn't quite find any words there I think Johnny Housing's ability to just sort of overlap past his sort of wing back caught you by surprise and, and <laughs> rightfully so to be honest because you know who'd have thought at this season that would see Johnny Housing going back into the defence as we saw under Woodgate I think everyone sort of drew a line under it but you know it's it's almost been a bit of a revelation him dropping back again as we saw under Woodgate and You know, as we both say, long may it continue. Uh, Just something else from the game, obviously, yesterday, it was the game that ultimately got Mick McCarthy sacked as manager. That now makes it two managers this season, doesn't it? That we've sort of lost the jobs. I mean, obviously, it's not just our fault. They have been (laughs) on bad runs prior to our games. But, yeah, I, I can't really remember another time where we've sort of played two teams such sort of uh, shortly after each other and managed to get two managers sat. So that's another little sort of, um, I don't want to call it a benefit of winning because I I like to see people losing their jobs. But yeah, just a a bit of a strange one from this season.
1: I think it's a positive though, um, that we can go to these sides that are on bad runs. And in the past, we have seen Borough go to these sides and just almost expect to win and not really put in, put a performance in, but just expect to come away with three points. But in the games that we played against Forest and, and Cardiff, I think we were ruthless, really. Um, just finish out, finishing the chances that we that we do get um, and just, yeah, getting the three points on our own accord rather than just expecting it to fall our way. So, yeah, fair play to us for for going there and being so clinical Well, I'm not going to say clinical cause we're not, but uh, ruthless. That's the word.
0: Yeah. Ruthless and getting the job done. So I've got two questions to ask you before we move on to some questions. Uh, firstly, who are stand standout performers? And I know we've sort of gone over a few of them, but I just want to really credit them for how good some of these players have been. And in particular yesterday for me, Yesterday was probably, and you know you've got to consider the opposition that you're playing against. But in the same breath, you have to beat what's in front of you. I would say yesterday is probably our best performance of the season. But yeah, firstly, Nathan, who were your standout performers yesterday?
1: I'd say Uche was was one of them. Um, he's exactly what I love to see from a centre forward. Um, battles with the centre halves won't shirk a physical battle or a battle on the deck, really. Um, Doesn't mind pressing. Um, And I think, above all, I think he's just a massive handful for for defenders. I mean, Aidan Flint and and McGuinness are two very physical centre-halves and probably would fancy their chances of bullying quite a few centre-forwards in the league for... Physical battles certainly, and Uche is just absolutely outstanding at giving it back, really. Um, I think sometimes he can get caught up in battles and maybe lose his head a few times. I think he was booked yesterday. Um, I think he was booked, I'm sure he was. Yeah, for
0: he was booked because I think there was a moment, in, especially in the commentary where they were saying, you know, Warnock sort of just warned him. Uh, off the camera, as if to say, you know, just concentrate on the ball. Stop sort of getting involved with little things off the ball in little battles, of course. But uh, put yourself about by all means, but just you know, focus on the ball and, and don't get yourself sent off, pretty much.
1: Yeah, uh, I do. I do feel that sometimes he can get quite agitated as well. The uh, referee's not giving him everything because, of course, he is a massive unit. And uh, when he does get dragged to the floor, which is quite regularly actually, he does get his shirt pulled all over and gets nudged in the back quite often. And just because he's such a big, big centre forward, I don't think that or, that fouls aren't fouls just because it's him sort of thing. I think if the if the foul was on Watmore, it'd get given more exactly. often than if it was given a, if it was a, if it was on Uche, it wouldn't be given as often just because of his size and stature. But yeah, he was certainly a massive handful yesterday. So I'd say he was one, of course. Piero in flashes is just brilliant. Um, I think going back to the Peterborough game last week when he skipped past two players, flicked the ball in between one and then played a ball out to the wing. Um, In the Barnsley game, he had flashes, of brilliance of course, that shot and then racing after the rebound and nutmegging a player in the corner and then uh, yesterday of course the finish was just brilliant, um, so I'd say he's another one but I think the, the most consistent performer out, out of all the ones that we've mentioned is Sol Bamber, he's just an absolute colossus of a defender three clean sheets and especially in a in a system at the minute where he's the only fit defender that we have he's took that weight on his shoulders and he's played out of his skin. He's been absolutely brilliant for us. And I'm sure that every Borough fan will agree with that.
0: Yeah, you're definitely right there. I think those three that you've picked out, particularly obviously Sol Bamber again, one sky's man of the match yesterday and we put out his stats, I think pretty much over 70% um, in all of his duels that he'd won. And, you know, one man of the match. And was even a goal threat yesterday. I think he had two uh, two headers that he could have gone close with, nearly scored. I mean, what a narrative that would have been if Sol Bamber had scored against Cardiff. But yeah, like you say, Sol Bamber especially just incredible. It's just I mean, he, he probably gets almost sick of people saying it, and it, it does sound a little bit ridiculous, but you know, to come back from what he's got what he's gone through in the past sort of. 12, you know, 24 months is incredible alone. But then to come back from that and then play as well as he has is, it's remarkable. So I can't actually give enough credit to Sol Bamber and the way he's playing at the minute. And he he plays with a smile on his face as well. You, You can't sort of see him at the end of every game without a massive grin. And, it, you know, it's sort of just infectious. I can't imagine how much it sort of benefits the dressing room as well.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine uh, that he's such a character in that dressing room as well. Um, of course, was captain at Cardiff City um, in the past, captain Leeds United in the past. I think he's he's been that leader in the dressing room everywhere he's been. And in the past, Neil Warnock has said that this squad of players has lacked leaders in the past, really. Um, lacked leaders that are good vocally. And I think Sol Bamba is exactly that. And I think Lee Peltier is another one that will be the, the same as Sol Bamba. Very good in the dressing room. And yeah, I think no, these performances from Bamba were almost made better by the fact that none of us expected it from him. So... Yeah, absolute credit to himself. He's been absolutely stupendous for us.
0: Yeah, stupendous. I mean, you couldn't really have picked a better word, to be <laughs> honest. Stupendous is not too far to sort of go and say because, yeah, he's, he's been incredible. And um, sort of just before we move on to the questions again, last question from me. Have you got any sort of special mentions in terms of players that you think probably might not have, you know, got the the plaudits as much. I think, you know, all of them got the plaudits yesterday, but um, two that I'd like to just mention, and obviously you can agree or dis- disagree with me. Um, firstly, Paddy McNair, I think in defence especially, we, we spoke about Housing and, and, you know, I personally rate him in that defensive sort of three more than I do as a midfielder. And, and Paddy McNair, again yesterday, he's sort of, I've never really seen a sort of player like him where he plays in defence, yet takes set pieces, can deliver a ball as probably good as anyone, has a fantastic strike on him and sort of gets to the byline quite a lot whilst playing as a central defender. It's just, I mean, he, he sort of invented this own paddy, Paddy McNair position I know we call him Paddy De Bruyne but he's just got all these different elements to his game that are just fantastic and I know I mean casting it back to a long time ago for us two especially but um, Reese Williams sort of used to get called a Rolls-Royce and to be honest I'd, I'd definitely give the same sort of uh, nickname to Paddy McNair because for me he's just a Rolls Royce he rarely, rarely makes a mistake and yeah he's just a great player at the Championship level and to be honest I think he could be a great player even in the
1: Premier League to be honest Yeah um, I think in, in that back three he fits in really well, of course he has the attributes as, as a midfielder for uh, Northern Ireland and for Periods of his career, he has those attributes to step out of defence, similar to Houston. Um, He has the eye for a pass, um, a good forward pass, which can either be just a, a nice one threaded through into one of our attacking midfielders, or a long ball up to the forwards. Um, and I think now, especially, those, those passes look even better because the forwards that we have are so good at holding the ball up. Sparra, Uche, fantastic at playing with the back to goal, I think. Um, but yeah, the deliveries from McNair, I think he, he has got a, a very good delivery on him, especially that one on, on Wednesday night for Sparar pinpoint on his head. So yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on McNair. I think he's been underrated in his performances over the last week.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Sparar again. It's almost as if you were sort of telepathic with me there. Uh, yeah, Andras Sparal was my second one that I just feel again needs to mention. You know, he's he's been brought in from Sport and Lisbon and you know, sort of come with a lot of expectations. I think it would be fair to say, you know, all of the all of the reports that we've read, you know, we heard from Yannick and Sin to call someone a European pedigree striker is high praise, but I don't think he was sort of, you know, lying or over-exaggerating when he said it, because for me. You know, he might not score 15 or 20 goals this season, but his movement alone will probably create 15 or 20 goals because it gets highlighted quite a lot on Sky. And, you know, I've I've looked at it and I'm sure you've noticed it as well, but his sort of ability just in his head to sort of think one step ahead and, you know, pull away from a defender and create that little gap for someone else. So just, you know, we saw it for McNair's goal against Sheffield United, where he sort of just laid it off and let McNair hit the strike. And yesterday, obviously, we saw him lay one off for Piero again. You know, his stats are slowly starting to build up. He's got, you know, three goals now, um, two assists, potentially even more. And yeah, I think for me, he's probably one of the best strikers that we've had in a considerable amount of time, to be honest. I think he oozes quality, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and I know yesterday's was a penalty, but that's two and two for him now, and that'll only help his confidence. Um, I think, again, just mentioning his hold-up play, I think it's fantastic bringing others into play. I think he's brilliant at doing that and Yeah, uh, movement-wise, I think he's brilliant. Um, He headed towards that front post for Piero's goal. And, of course, that created a massive amount of space, really, for Piero. He had a free shot at goal, really, um, from when Sparaz set him up. So, yeah, again, I'd say bang on with Sparaz. I think he's probably one of the best centre-forwards that we've had in recent years, especially, really, for his overall play for his movement, and not only that, but I think he's considerably more clinical than the centre-forwards that we've had in recent times.
0: Yeah, and I mean, unless you want to mention anyone else, uh, specifically Nathan, I think we're ready to move on to the questions. And, you know, I'm just looking at my notes here, and I'm just going to mention it because it makes me very happy. After those results and results elsewhere on Saturday, we find ourselves sixth in the league, i mean how has that
1: happened it's crazy to think isn't it all it all it takes is a run of results after hull it was all doom and gloom even for us us both here um we were all a bit a bit down and not really expecting anything from from the next few games but three wins out of three and nine points finds us in the playoff picture now and it's it's crazy to think how a, a load of results there, just three in a week, changes the full mood around the club, really. I think everyone looks at that thinking, well, hopefully we can just kick on from now and keep this run of results going.
0: Yeah. I mean, fingers crossed, Nathan, because, you know, I've I've missed being quite a good football team and (laughs) yesterday, especially we, if I say so myself, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. We were, very good. And it was it was lovely to watch. So, on to the questions. I've been looking forward to this since I posted the tweet out yesterday. I knew there'd be some funny ones. And I think what better way to start than Craig asking, how do I curb my feelings for Martin Piero now? Quite frankly, Craig, I'm going to pass this on for Nathan because I, I don't actually know how to curb them because I'm having the same problem.
1: I would say... Uh, Craig is my piece of advice, I'd say you don't, you don't curb your feelings for for Martin Piero, really. Um I think everyone's in love with him at the minute. Um he's outraging time and uh I find myself at random parts of the day just whistling his chant to myself. I, I absolutely love it. Uh I think if you look at my Twitter feed from Saturday onwards, it's an absolute disgrace how much my Piero propaganda there is on there. It's it's unbelievable. But I've got I've got all my mates down at university saying that Piero's the best player in the league now because I have no qualms about it. He is unbelievable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you know what, Nathan? Honestly, I mean, I don't know if Craig was asking for help um, in terms of a bit of advice. Or, or what he was expecting or whether he just wanted to hear our feelings on him but to be honest we just echo everything you've said so if anyone can help us and Craig and I'm sure a lot of other Middlesbrough fans on how to curb our feelings for Martin Piero at the moment then by all means get in touch because yeah there's a lot of love for as you say our Argentine at the moment and and long may it continue because yeah I, Quite frankly, I'll go into uni tomorrow and I'll probably just be walking around singing his song. As you say, I've been singing it all over the place and I never want to stop, really.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. And I think especially in, in the last week or so, I've been seeing a lot, especially on Baropolis, there was a, you you put the video out of uh, never falling in love with a lone player. And thank God Piero's not a lone player because... It'd break my heart if he if he uh if he was gone at the end of the season. So yeah, well, really,
0: Nathan, I mean, surely the unthinkable won't happen. I mean, he's playing incredibly well at the moment. But <laughs> if if he plays incredibly well all season, then I dread to think some of the people that may be interested in him. So yeah, but you know we won't won't jump <laughs> to too, Just really. enjoy him. Just enjoy him for <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, best thing we can say. Uh, So the next question uh, from Leo, um, I don't quite think it was Leo Perkovic. I don't think, (laughs) I don't even know if he's on Twitter, but you know, if he wants to, then by all means do. Yeah. It was from Leo, um, who does follow us. And he said, is Bamba now first or second name on the team sheet? I think, to be honest, I'll answer this first and then pass it on to Nathan. I think, you've actually just got to ask Neil Warnock to use both hands and just write down Piero and Bamber at the same time because both of them are the first name on the team sheet at the moment. <laughs> it's, a two, it's, a, it's a two-hander job from from Neil. He's just, he's quite frankly just got to put them both down as first. That's the only logical way I can think of it, Nathan.
1: Yeah, they're both. I mean, Bamber especially, playing absolutely out of his skin. We've said it all podcast, really, that he's been... Absolutely, just brilliant for us in in recent weeks, and um, especially especially this week where we've we've kept three clean sheets in a row, and Bamba's just been a standout. I think every time we're on Sky, they might as well just give Sol Bamba Man of the Match before before the game anyway, because he's he, I think everyone knows that Sol Bamba's just an absolute rock at the back, and. I, at the minute I just feel like we're in no danger of conceding goals with Solbamba in the side it it's just brilliant
0: yeah I hope that isn't one of them that'll get clipped up later <laughs> neither one, do I Gosh. when we inevitably get beat five nil in the next three games but yeah not with Solbamba not with Solbamba I hope it won't really. happen yeah it won't happen it won't happen uh, so next question from Noah um, didn't want any advice on any of our players, so thank goodness because I mean we haven't really helped Craig out with his, <laughs> with his issue. Uh, but Noah asked, "How do we improve now, and what can we do better?" Um, Nathan, I'm going to pass this to you first.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the main point that I've I've had with us this podcast, and I think most Borough fans will, will feel the same, is really with the amount of chances that we are creating currently, um, which seems to be quite a few, actually. Um, it, usually, in recent weeks, it's been the issue of creating chances. Um, but the, the main point I'd just like to make is just we need to be more clinical. I think the what more chance and the Crux chance in the two games that we've had this week, they both stand out as two glorious chances that we've missed, that if you put them away, both games are put to bed by coming... Well, what more early in the second half and Crooks before half-time. So I think, yeah, just being more clinical, really. Um We've created a lot of chances in the last week and with glorious chances like that, they just need to put away. I think it'd put everyone's nerves at ease and, uh, yeah, I th- I'm sure it'd do everyone... The the players especially, the chances away, I'm sure it'd do them a big confidence boost as well to finish the chances. So, yeah, just be more clinical.
0: Yeah, I think in in terms of Noah's question, I echo you where I think in terms of the way we play, what we can improve on is putting chances away. But in terms of uh, what we can do better or, or more so, I'll say how we can maintain the way we're playing is... I think for Neil Warnock obviously for a few weeks at least he's probably still going to have to deal with a relatively small group of players but one thing I would say is you know when these players do come back I, I don't think they'll go back in to be honest I think why sort of fix something that's not broken and I think to maintain it of course you know we've got to freshen up the squad uh, at times. It would be ridiculous to think that this group of players currently can just, you know, play games and games and games on the bounce. You look at Bamber, for example, he's not going to be able to play sort of, you know, 30 games between now and the end of the season and come through, like, unscathed. But I would say that it's in Neil Warnock's hands now to make sure that, you know if and when the players are returning that they're implemented back into the fold sort of correctly and and not rushed and and sort of, you know, fitted into the areas where we can improve. I don't think we need to change formation. Like I say, Um, the three at the back seems to be working at the moment. And, you know, in terms of personnel, housing, just don't change it. I think to disrupt the likes of Piero and Crooks now would be ridiculous really, it would it would be silly, there's not really any need to change it, so for me um, what we need to do to sort of maintain the positive run is sort of try and keep things as the same as possible whilst sort or of slowly integrating obviously these players that have been out back into the squad
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you I'd agree with you 100% there, I think just trying to keep the players that we do have available now, keep them fit. Um, Don't push them too hard in training, which seems to be the place where a lot of our squad seems to get injured. Actually, it's quite bizarre that a lot of our squad now that are out injured have done that in training. Hall, Baller uh, are two that stand out. And of course, Amiobi, which is, Amazing, considering he hasn't even featured in pre-season and everyone will forget about him. Um, But, yeah, three injuries there just off the top of my head that have happened in training. So just be careful, really. I think just need to keep the players fit, keep them firing. We're on a good run, so let's continue it.
0: Yeah, and in, in typical borough fashion, really, Nathan, the final question from James Poole, you know, we've been up a height this entire podcast, really. But, you know, it's it's good to have a bit of realism in life, you know, especially <clears> you don't <throat> want to go too high and sort of start sounding ridiculous. You need something to bring you back down to earth. And James Poole has done that, you know. He said, Optimism is on the up. And in so in it in such a borough fashion, even the way he's typed it optimism's on the up will they knock it up against birmingham and you know that that leads us quite nicely on to birmingham i think you know james's comments and uh, we'll sort of answer that once we've gone through the birmingham game but firstly nathan obviously birmingham is next saturday what type of test are birmingham going to give us and um, you know what are some of the players that that you've picked out that you think could give us some problems
1: yeah, um, Birmingham up next, next Saturday at the Riverside. Um, and I think Birmingham currently, on, well, they've, they've got a good result on Saturday, but previously they were on quite a, a strange run of defeats where it was quite deceiving, really. I think the performances that they were putting in deserved better than the results reflected, really. Um, I watched them um two weeks ago away at west brom and they were beaten narrowly 1-0 and they they probably didn't really deserve to get beaten by west brom um they were defensively solid really um just a moment of magic from Karl Grant grand won the game um but yeah defensively solid they had taeith chong on loan from manchester united In the diamond position behind Jukovic and Scott Horgan on the night. And Horgan looked to be a bit of a threat. He's quite quick, but he does have the uh, ability to play well in physical battles with defenders. The same as Jukovic. I think we all know what what he possesses. Um, Of course, good in the air, doesn't mind a battle with defenders. But, yeah, Chong looks to be the main man, really, uh, making runs from deep, getting down the line um, and putting crosses in the box for those players that are good in the air to create chances. But, yeah, there'll be there'll be a test 100%. They got a good result against Swansea on Saturday, who had been off the back of two good results against Cardiff and West Brom. Um, Troy Deeney, of course, is one name that I think championship fans think about a lot when they think about some of the best strikers in the championship in recent years. And he, he, coming towards the end of his career, joined his hometown club in the summer, and he scored and set one up yesterday against Swansea in the 2-1 win. So maybe he is one to watch. They do have the, the forwards, as I've just said, Hogan, Jukovic. So yeah, certainly... Uh, probably a bigger test than what we've had in the last week or so. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, a brilliant little bit of analysis from you there. You sort of went through the full team almost. Um, but yeah, fair play, Nathan. Very very top analysis from you and uh, a great insight into what we're going to come up against next Saturday. I think just for me, obviously, Troy Deeney is is one name that it... I don't want to say it scares me because you know he's he is coming towards the end of his career i don't want to bad mouth him too much because i know exactly what will happen next saturday but you know it, it it's not the same i probably may have had you know had it been in his watford days i think he had a very good scoring record for watford against us so we'll be crossing our fingers that obviously despite his goal and assist uh yesterday against swansea that that, that sort of little pick-up of form doesn't continue against us. Uh, Obviously, with Birmingham, uh, you spoke about the front line. um, That often changes. But one thing that seems to have sort of stayed with them this season is their use of a a five-at-the-back formation. And obviously, it's interesting in that we have also sort of, across the past three games, used that formation uh, to our effect as well. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see the wing-backs going head-to-head and then, of course, you know, in that back three, it will be the return of, of gorgeous George. Um, you know, he played against West Brom. I, I also watched that game that you were talking about. And in fairness, looked fairly solid. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll certainly be interesting to see him back at the Riverside. Uh, it'll be a weird one. Again, it, I, I never quite get used to seeing him not in the middles bracket, to be honest. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs>
1: So strange, isn't
0: it? Yeah, in terms of you know friends' weaknesses, and uh, this is of course no disrespect to George Friend, but we know better than anyone else as Middlesbrough fans. If you can get pace in behind him, he does tend to struggle. So you know the likes of Hernandez, Tav, uh, even Isaiah Jones, perhaps maybe an option um, to play against Birmingham. You know, there's certainly an area to be targeted there. But I think, as you say, it's it's a great opportunity for us to continue this winning run at home um, with the sort of optimism building. Nathan, do you sort of, as as James Poole put it, you know, will we back it up or do you think, you know, we will sort of get the job done and, and continue this nice run of form that we're on at the moment?
1: Yeah, I don't want to throw the phrase typical borough out all too often, but... It would be typical, wouldn't it, for us to uh, put a rubbish performance in. But I do have faith in this team now. I think these results in the past week have been brilliant for us and I think the confidence will be using through this squad. Um. So, yeah, hopefully we just continue playing the way we are, keep creating chances and hopefully just get that cutting edge and put the chances away.
0: Yeah. Fingers crossed, Nathan. I mean, it would be nice if we could play exactly the same as against Cardiff and just put four or five of them away. I can't remember the last time we really, you know, really, really put someone to the sword and sort of put five or six past them. But, you know, I I definitely don't want to be making any predictions like that because we saw against Blackpool what that can do. I think I predicted 3-0 to us and we ended up getting beat 2-1. So... I'm staying well clear of any predictions. Nathan, I'm not going to ask you about your predictions just for <laughs> the exact same reason. I don't want to tempt fate, to be honest. I want this run to continue as long as possible. So unless there's anything, Nathan, that you want to highlight, um, maybe you just want to express your love for Matt Crook or Martin Piero, I'm not sure. Unless there's anything else, um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to wrap this up, to be honest.
1: Yeah, just... Hopefully we continue the run on Saturday. Um, hopefully we just put in a good performance, put away chances, don't have any nervous moments. Um, of course it is Halloween weekend, so we don't want any scares or anything. Well, of course, so, yeah, that, that wouldn't be nice, would it? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hopefully Borough just do the business once again, and then make it four out of four. Yeah,
0: in fact, you know what? One last question I'm going to ask. I'll give you three players, just a, a little funny one to end on. Three players I want you to pick out. It can be any players. What do you think they're going as for Halloween? And I want you to be creative with this. I've asked you a lot of questions about the way we play, our tactics, and I want you to think about this one the most. Just three players and what Halloween costumes are they wearing?
1: We're on the spot here. With this one,
0: I'll give you three players, right? Martin Piero, right? Um, Uchi, and let's pick a little outsider.
1: Um,
0: Onel Hernandez.
1: So I'll have Uchi as the Hulk. I think that one speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Do you know what? Yeah, I, I'm. I can't say much else about
1: that. I think that's a great one to be honest. Yeah, that one. That one came to my head straight away. I thought, yeah, brilliant. Ouchie yeah. is the Hulk. Um, Onel Hernandez. He's just a funny character. I don't know. I have as the joker. I think he's a funny character, but he has the ice in his veins to, uh, to pull pull out something spectacular. Yeah, I quite I
0: quite like that image actually. Yeah, Onel walking around. And Piero. I, th- I think, do you know what? I think judging off his football ability, I think he goes all out for Halloween. He's got his own barbecue. He he's does. got his own meals on his barbecue. So <laughs> if that's anything to go by, I think he goes all out for Halloween. And do you know what? I'm going to answer the final one. I think, I don't know if you've watched it recently, Squid Game's been big, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think, I think he's, he's banging the Squid Game,
1: to be honest. You reckon?
0: Yeah, I think he's. I don't know whether he'd go as a competitor or whether he'd go as a sort of, you know, the the bloke guards. You
1: know, it's,
0: yeah, it's, yeah, the guards. I don't know whether which one, but um, yeah, I think he's got. He's definitely got something like that in his locker.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, what a way to end a funny podcast, there yeah. An upbeat, upbeat Baropolis podcast, which hasn't been the case for quite a while really but yeah three wins on the spin have got us both absolutely buzzing yeah of course nathan what a, what
0: a way to end as you say an upbeat baropolis podcast it seems like forever since we've done one of these but yeah it's definitely a nice change and long may it continue so as always thank you for listening and watching uh, whether it be youtube apple podcast spotify anything like that Uh we are 90 subscribers on YouTube. Now that doesn't seem like an awful lot, does it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people are millions, but if we can hit 100 subscribers, I'd be delighted. And I know you would as well be, Nathan. So yeah, hit subscribe. And as always, any reviews on Apple Podcasts would be greatly appreciated. It helps other borough fans around the world find our podcast, which of course we would love to be the case. So yeah. As always, thank you for listening and watching. And that has been another episode of the Baropolis podcast.